Hello, are the drinks poured? Are you around a table? A table of any sorts? You're gathered, I'm gathered, we're allowed to be gathered. This can only mean one thing. It's this week's table conversation with me, I am Craig Story. So how are you then? Well, I hope you're enjoying the new series so far. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. There's still lots to come. And if you don't want to miss a thing, then you can follow me on Facebook. You can tease me on TikTok, toss me a tweet on Twitter, or even interrogate me on Instagram if you like, all at I am Craig Story. Make sure you do drop in with any messages if there are any topics of table conversation you'd like us to have, or if you'd like to join me at this table. Of course, you're very welcome. You can share your story here. Drop me a message if you'd like to do that. Well, the birthplace of Table Conversation was during a COVID lockdown, and it's been three years this week since our first ever national lockdown. Now, you know the theme here. We always talk about things that everyone else is avoiding, and lockdown is a conversation that people are avoiding because we don't want to talk about it anymore. We've all got memories of that period of time that we probably would rather forget. But I think it is important we look back at it because we are moving forward as a society with a hangover from the lockdowns and we know the impacts it's having on on important aspects of our lives such as education and healthcare. Firstly, this week I want to talk about an article that I read, Why Doesn't Britain Regret Lockdown? If you believe looking back over the past few years that lockdowns were a mistake, then you're in the minority. For some people, that'll be exasperating to hear. So we'll talk about that. Maybe some of that lack of regret is due to the media coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic. And if you follow my video content, you'll see that last week that I sat down and had a conversation with Anna Brees. Anna Brees is a former BBC and ITV journalist. And I've previously met Anna and spent some time with her uh, with her training and attended a couple of her workshops. Again, if you've seen some of my video content, that's how I, I learned how to edit and put some of those videos together. Anna's written a book, Shame, When Journalists Stop Listening, COVID, The Media and Me, which is available on Amazon. I'm going to share some snippets of that conversation as well because we're talking about the media response to COVID-19 and how that's left people with a lot of distrust in the legacy media brands such as the BBC, Sky, ITV and some of the challenges with some of the alternative media brands and building trust and having faith in what is being shared and what is being seen as truth. We have a chat about how balance is often seen as boring, so the big opinions, the loudest voices are often the most heard, and some of the general challenges of journalism, citizen journalism, producing video content. It's a really interesting conversation, and of course you can watch the full version of that on Anna's YouTube channel, Brees Media. I'm used to being the one asking the questions rather than answering them, especially when it's someone as good as Anna. She's interviewed some of the most prominent scientists over the past couple of years, and she became a powerful voice for a lot of people during the COVID-19 pandemic. We also share our hopes for the future and how we've all got to start moving forward with positivity now from whatever side of a fence you come. Unity is the only option. So let's go. If you haven't started already, get slurping on those drinks. I've got to be honest, I was really shocked when I read this article, the article headline, Why Doesn't Britain Regret Lockdown? This was shared on the media channel Unheard. They've done some polling with their partner Focal Data and 27% of voters agree that lockdowns were a mistake, while 54% disagree and 19% are not sure. And out of 632 constituencies in Britain, not a single seat in those 632 constituencies Did lockdown sceptics outnumber the pro-lockdown groups? Does that surprise you in your experience? Or is that leaving a nasty taste in your mouth if you're one of the voters who strongly agree that in Britain, in retrospect, lockdowns were a mistake? 
Well, to the majority of people, they believe lockdowns were right, they were necessary. And I guess at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, we knew that these decisions were being made and they were difficult decisions to make. And they were being made on a lot of intuition. And it's come out recently, hasn't it, with the exposure of Matt Hancock's text messages that these, a lot of these decisions were made via WhatsApp and made on a whim. So maybe even more surprising that the majority of people still think that lockdowns were necessary and needed. We were also living in fear, weren't we? We were actually scared as a nation at the very start of the lockdowns. And for some of us that were lucky enough to have outdoor space, the weather was very nice. We were being paid money to sit at home, be with our children, be with our families and enjoy some time off work. I believe sometimes as well, if you've stuck by something, you've been very pro-lockdown or pro-any kind of decision that you've made, it is very hard to look back and admit that something was wrong, especially when it affected so much of your life. And could we ever believe that the government made a bad situation much worse? For many people, it did feel that way, ripping up freedom, education system, children weren't able to go to school, a generation of lost education. Also, Older people, and I could see it in my own family, older people declining much quicker by removing that social aspect of their life. It also destroyed many businesses. The economy was closed off. We're still paying the price for that, aren't we? With the cost of living, parts of it are attributed to the COVID-19 lockdowns and the lack of supply. It's come out in the past week. It was reported in the main media that £21 billion of public money was lost in fraud during the COVID-19 pandemic claims that were fraudulent of government schemes. It also created a culture of fear and divide amongst people, didn't it? And maybe the question really is, should the lockdowns have gone on for so long? Did they need to happen? And did they need to happen for so long? That should be the question I think that should be asked. And that's the question I'm asking you. What do you think about that? As someone who followed both sides of the argument from the very beginning, it's been very hard to make decisions. But now we have the evidence, we can look back on what actually happened over the past few years. And it came out that countries that we initially looked at, we thought were doing really well with the COVID data actually turned out to be doing not so well after a longer period of time. Some people criticised Sweden at the very beginning because they didn't have the, the strict lockdowns and the draconian measures. Actually, it turns out within Europe, they had the lowest number of excess deaths, which is now being said is the best measure of all of how well a country has performed in the last couple of years in terms of their responses to the pandemic. Maybe that is part of the problem. People haven't seen the data. It hasn't been published in a lot of the mainstream news channels. It hasn't been debated in the media and also maybe we don't want to look back at it like I said it's a conversation we don't want to have anymore we want to forget about it we want to move on but I think we do have to learn from it because whoa if there is any effort this period of time in our lives again we need to maybe change the way that things happen and be prepared to change the way we do things as an individual we can't put it all down to the media like I said we were all scared and frightened at the start when we I did leave my home for two and a half weeks didn't go anywhere or see anyone for those first parts of the lockdown. I can admit, had I seen the data that I can see now and the text messages between members of our government, then I would have done things very differently. And I certainly would have had any of that fear in my life right from the very beginning, even though I became more relaxed as time went on. The article does go on to talk about a new class of citizen. And in every Western society, there is an area, a part of our society that is deeply distrustful of authority. They're very sceptical of 
the media, the government, and feel like they're being laughed at. And it's something that Anna and I talk about in our chat, actually, how many people now turn to alternative media or new media for their main form of news. And there are some risks attached to that. And the counter argument would be there are some risks attached to just watching Sky News, BBC, ITV, Channel 4, some of, or reading the mainstream newspapers. But the risks attached to getting all of your news from one media outlet, whether that's a traditional legacy media channel or an alternative media channel, is that you've got to see both sides of the debate. And you're an adult, you can make the decision then. That's my belief. And I've said that many times on this podcast before, that I don't think it's healthy just to see one viewpoint. I think it's important to see both sides and then draw your own conclusions from what's presented in front of you. It is clear, isn't it, that a lot of people have lost faith in the way that the world is run. And it's really sad that a lot of people have lost all hope and they see a future of doom where that's not the future that I see. I think we can all still make a difference to our future and we all have a role to play in our society. I definitely agree with the article where it says, I hope there is no next time. But that's where hope comes in, because if there is that next time, then we have to be better prepared to analyse the data and question things for ourselves with that critical thinking that we don't just believe whatever's put in front of us, whether that's from a mainstream news channel or from your favourite vlogger or blogger on Twitter. It's important that you ask the questions and you see things from both sides and don't just rely on one source of information. Well, there's more about all of that right now as I have a conversation. I was at a table as well, so it's a table conversation with Anna Brees. I've really enjoyed watching you, um, Craig. I've just felt that you've got such a warmth and a smiley face. I feel that you care. And I've really enjoyed watching your content. We're going to have a really interesting conversation now about all sorts of things. In fact, we were just talking about dating, weren't we? Because we're both single and we're talking about dating profiles. I really want this to be fun, yeah? Um, and a conversation, not a traditional type of interview. Yeah. This is like a nice, fun, friendly chat about what life is like out there Absolutely. on TikTok. Whether we need to turn them comments off because it's a... <laughs> oh, it's a oh yes. Someone said to me, don't read the comments, Anna. You should know that. If you're on YouTube, just don't read the co- your comments. You can't I mean, help it. I read, always read the comments. In fact, I spend more time reading the comments sometimes than I do on the content itself because I love looking at how people react to things. I observe. I wanted to do a psychology at university and uh, for various reasons I didn't, but I'm fascinated by the way people are behaving, how the media is changing our behaviour, how we certainly drawn to certain media brands um, and how that has an impact on possibly our mental health and the decisions we make, how it's changing society, blah, 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 boring stuff. Uh, a lot of new media channels and alternative media tend to only talk to people they like and they don't tend to do challenging interviews. So that's something I'm trying to do myself. Um, and more recently I have, where you're talking to people that you may not agree with at all um, and I think those are the tough, challenging conversations that, that make life a lot more interesting and I think help us grow and evolve. Um, and also, you know, I, I'm aware that if you do interviews, so on new media and alternative media, sometimes you can be associated. It's like, well, if I, so for example, I interview David Icke, am I in that world then? Well, it doesn't work like that for someone like Piers Morgan on Talk TV because he interviewed Andrew Tate. That doesn't mean he supports or endorses Andrew Tate. So it's 
quite interesting because they try that some mm. media brands will try and smear you if you have a conversation with someone in, in implying that you're endorsing them and i've been very aware of that mm -hmm. very subtle but it's a very important conversation that needs to be had um and only talk yeah talking to people that we agree with and like i think is 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 a real shame because it's a very powerful medium now isn't it that we've got and I'm sorry for talking so long. And the, the feedback I have is Annie will talk too much. So I'm going to um, hand it over to you, Craig, really, and start by congratulating you on taking the training that we did and turning it into something really very exciting. How's it going? It's going well, yeah. And weirdly, it's exactly a year to the day that I, I was on the first course with you. It was the 24th of March, 2022, when... Um, I came down to South Wales and spent the time with you and the rest of the guys that, on the two-day workshop, which was like the, the basics of mobile journalism and using the, the right kit, using the apps. And do you know, it was it was really interesting to get your insight into what works with your professional background as well, because you, you've been there in the newsroom, so you know what works with viewers. So listening to you talk about um, how to get the right shots and what really works well on television, because really all we need to do is take what they do on television and put it on our own platforms like like you said TikTok's done really well for me Facebook um, and Instagram so it's just taking that stuff that people are used to seeing and putting it onto social media where I think the majority of younger people that's where they do get their news from now and certainly myself I'm, I'm scrolling through and I'll click on something that I like or maybe watch the full video if it's something that is interesting to me and you want to do things that people are talking about today you've got to record and edit it and put it out there on that day just like the TV news channels do because if you if you sit on something, I don't know, um, for example, something like monkeypox, that was one of the videos that I did. It, it, it's changing all the time. So I think you've got to put something out pretty quickly. Um, so doing it at speed, using those apps that we went through on the course, really beneficial. It's like my best friend now, Kinney Master. It's, it's so easy and so simple to use. But then um, what else? Using autocue as well. That was a really good part of the course for me as well, because especially when you're talking about more complex issues and you want to use statistics and you want to get the data and the facts right because well, I'm sure we're going to talk about integrity at some point but that's so important to me that I don't want to fall flat on my face and get things wrong and I think if you're just relying on sometimes your memory it's important to to use those kind of things and use all the best tools that they use in the trade but that's what they're using like you said out there it's just a minefield of what's truth and what's not truth and if you've not got the ethics and the basics right then why would anyone trust you why would people keep coming back to your content and like you said i want to connect with people and share stories and let, when they look at me and they see a video that i put out there they can take it as, yeah that's true i know that and you said i don't include my opinion in a lot of the things that i put out there because who's cared about my opinion i've got a fairly small following on on these social media channels who wants to know what i really think about it let I know, and I, maybe I'm wrong about this because there are a lot of big personalities and there are a lot of big opinion people out there that are probably making a fortune doing all of that. But if you've only got a small following, why would anyone care what you think? Well, do you know that woman? Is it June Slater? She's really grown, hasn't she? And like, do you know that there was a few people that I, I did the Global 150 Opinions, I talk about it in the book, um, when I got a SIM card and I asked people to send it's their cool. videos in. <laughs> I'm not monetized on YouTube, so please buy the book if you want your content. <laughs> um, so she, uh, in the book, I talk about when uh, I got that SIM card. Do you remember when we had the mask mandates and we couldn't protest? And I thought, well, how are we going to talk to each other? We can't physically see each other's faces. And I was in a supermarket where a member of staff had a mask on, and I wanted to ask him, how, you know, how what's it like? How are you getting on with that? Is it just the beginning of the mask mandates? And he couldn't talk to me. He couldn't. 
Um, he couldn't talk to me, so I got a SIM card and people started sending the videos in. And what I was going to say is, Craig, is this, these were opinions. And I always made sure, like I did with you, and this was this is what journalists do, and they always do it in magazines and newspapers and in television, name, age, location, occupation. That was really important. And then people just share their, their feelings and opinions. And some of them have gone on to have their own YouTube channels. And that's um, something that's really delightful for me to see is if I've been able to springboard any of these voices. And you're just drawn to certain voices and certain people, aren't you? I mean, like yourself. You think, well, that person's just being really authentic and really honest and really open here. Um, and I feel that they, they could lead me and, and maybe challenge me and they inspire me. Um, so opinion, I guess, is important when it ins inspires you. And, makes yeah. you and I know you've done a podcast about losing yeah. your dad where you have talked about how you feel. But the other content that you've done, which is the new style content, you've kept your opinion out of it. But you can see in the comments, and that's something I was going to say, I looked at your TikTok video. It's really lovely to see a wide range of opinions in the comments. So some people were saying, so you're talking about excess yeah. deaths. Some people were saying completely different things. There was a really good debate going on down there. Um, but it's interesting, this whole definition of journalism and marketing, it's all blurring, isn't it, in a way? Influencer, content creator. And it's really, like you say, it comes down to content and trust. Yeah, so, I think um, the lines are blurred. And we saw it recently, didn't we, with, um, Matt, Matt, with Matt Hancock's message that he sent to his old friend, George Osborne, um, asking for a, a, a nicer story on the front page of the Evening Standard. So the lines are blurred about who you're paying or where your money's coming from and what, it's always been the same, I guess, hasn't it, in that world. Um, but I think opinions probably, I think, I think for me, I think it's give people the, I don't know, the benefit of the doubt or that the people can be critical thinkers and they can form their own opinions if you provide them with balanced viewpoints from both sides. And that's what I tend to do with the, t the videos that I produce with like the journalism or the, the news style stuff. Because then it does generate discussion and conversation. And I kind of like drop the bomb. And then sometimes you'll see people having that discussion and continue it, as you see. And that's up to them. Then people have that conversation for themselves then, and they can. If you give if you give your opinion, it can make you feel vulnerable. And um, just to sorry to interrupt, but I'd like to talk about whether you block people and what you think of trolls. And um, I mean, it's something I find really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can't help but read the comments, like you say, I read them, they come through, and it's it's because it's a, it's not a huge audience, so the comments I can manage and I can read that. I mean, so, some of them, maybe I'm deluded, but somebody called me a, a paid actor from the government the other week. I don't listen to him, he's a paid actor from the government. I'm, I'm still waiting for the check from Rishi Sunak, but I thought, well, that's a compliment, because they, <laughs> they think I'm good enough to the government would pay me to spout out a message on their behalf, so... If that's what they what they want to believe or i mean some of the things are personal it's just about like clothes or what i'm wearing i've had that before but the the actual debate i think it's healthy to debate these things and that's what well you're <laughs> going back to your book that's what we were talking about where debate has been missing and it's like one side or the other is you've got to sort of have that debate because that's the conversations that people have at home when they're with their families or with their friends out down the pub or whatever that that things are debated and we don't we're not always going to agree with each other and we've got to accept that that that's life we're not going to agree and we're, we are going to see things from a different viewpoint based on our own experiences and i think that's got lost it's like you've got to sit in one camp or the other where as humans we evolve and we change we transform i'm a different person to what i was 10 years ago my opinions are probably different to 10 years ago and that's just life and we challenge ourselves to think differently sometimes as well and i've been um i've got a lot of abuse lately 
Craig, for really calling out what I think is some dangerous and damaging content that we're hearing from alternative media. I think some channels understandably have lost their way. I think we're in a period of a very strange limbo period after um, the end of lockdown um, where we were like, well, we all suffered, whatever happened, whether we suffered from lockdown or from, from COVID. But there was a real lack of trust and, and a feeling of what do we trust now? You know, it's very clear that Partygate and these Zabalok shots, WhatsApp messages from Hancock, they really are exposing that incredibly bizarre time in our lives. So, and we are trying to find things to hang on to, to make sense of it, I think. And it can be quite deep mm -hmm. conspiracies. You can become a conspiracy theorist, I think, because you've lost trust and you're cynical. And there's different levels of that, isn't there? There's healthy skepticism and then mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's the lack of hope that bothers me in a lot of content I see and a lack of, 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 in, of uh, faith in democracy, in being able to make a difference in terms of our future. But, I'm very much getting that vibe on Twitter at the moment. You know, even suggesting we democracy still exists gets the trolls out. I mean, why would that be? So, I mean, I've been criticised for, for saying that alternative media seems to be peddling fear in the same way the mainstream media did at one point. And the fear they're peddling is for entertainment. It's, I think, like, where it, but democracy, for some groups of people, democracy works when they get the way that they want things to go. It's like, oh, it's working today because the government have chosen this or they've had a vote on this and it's gone my way. And I think that it's a really sad situation. But then I understand probably why people have got to a stage where they are cynical. And I was reading an interesting article by, um, by Freddie Sayers, you know, of Unheard, and he was saying, uh, some of their statistics were saying that people, the majority of people in the UK still think that lockdown was a good idea. And he was saying there is this group of people now in the Western world that are lost and they're trying to find their way of questioning the truth, governments, politics, uh, media. And I think that a lot of us are left in that kind of way where we are questioning them. But then how far do you go with that? How far do you go with that that it starts affecting the way that you're, you're not living, you're just questioning the whole time? I don't you know. You live in I a state that... of fear, don't you? You're frozen. If you're, in, if you're, if you're anxious and, and, and suspicious, you, you're not really taking action. It's not. So that's why we're at a beautiful period now in terms of rebuilding. It's, it's exactly three years since yesterday, I think, when the lockdown was first announced. This is a yeah. time to rebuild, isn't it? This is a time to look, what does we want our future to look like? Absolutely 100%, journalists didn't listen, they let us down, shame on them, yeah? But it, it's, it's not just the horrific stories from people who have suffered for lockdown. I mean, I met a nurse while on holiday, something I put in my book. So if you hear a, a very a story of a real tragic loss really and I know you talk about your dad and the impact lockdown had on him and you lost your father um we'll talk about your podcast in a minute but but I was talking to this nurse on holiday and she said she was working on the covid ward and they were rushing from one dying patient to the next with an ipad so they could say goodbye to their loved ones there were a huge number of people died in that period and a lot of people she said who worked in the NHS had PTSD and had to leave so, you know, the, the people that, mm -hmm. that lost loved ones to COVID as well. And what ends up happening as a journalist, and I've something that I'm, I've realized I've done, it's a mistake I've made, and I'm growing and evolving, I think, as a person and as a journalist or whatever you want to call me, is when you hear stories of pain from the same types of people over and over again, it can impact 
your way of thinking and then you stop looking at the other side. So, for example, um, some of the documentaries I've seen, Safe and Effective by Mark Sharman, if you go around the country for a month, only talking to people who's, who've had vaccine injury or death, sitting with them and seeing the pain and the suffering and the damage that that's caused to their lives, um, you have become absolutely certain that this, this vaccine is dangerous. But if you don't then maybe spend time with all the doctors and the people who've maybe potentially benefited from the vaccine, a vaccine and the vaccine, I mean, it could be any issue. It was the same when I worked in television, I'd go to a, mm -hmm. um, a strike and you'd hear all the people striking and why they were striking. And they gave you really strong emotional stories of their suffering and why they had to do that. And you, I, I would always get really lost in people's pain. I really feel it. And then, but then sometimes I just have to pull. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. I have to kind of pull myself out of sitting in that pain and look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And it could be anything. I mean, I've been dealing I've, in the past, I've spoken to people who've lost their children in a family court and you hear it from their perspective and you're just absolutely devastated by what you hear and what sounds to be terrible and horrific injustice. But I, I've been in a situation where I've spoken to the other parent and then I've understood it from their perspective and actually changed, changed, my, changed my feelings. So I've got to be very careful of getting drawn into a story of, of, of someone's immense pain and assuming that is the whole story. Because it very often is, well, it hardly ever is. There's always two sides, isn't there? And that balance, I think, is very difficult to do. As a, as a, as a new media journalist working on your own, it's probably easier in an organisation. Yeah, and if you're an empathetic person and you care about people, how can you not get drawn into somebody's pain? It's, it's, it, you can't. It's, it's such a hard thing to do, isn't it? But you, like, like you say, it's offering that balance, isn't it, for for someone that's going to watch that story or listen to what you have to share about it, because there are always two sides to every story, like you're saying. It's up to them, the viewer, give that. Like I said, they they're the ones who ultimately will make their own conclusions and draw their own opinions about what you presented to them but I think as a duty to the viewer you have to show both sides of the story. You know we all like to watch content that just re-establishes the position we were already in. Does that make sense? Yeah, and all the algorithms will support that as well. Like social media, that's what it's designed to do. It'll keep spinning out. It wants to keep you on as long as it can. So if you watch videos, what we mentioned um, June Slater before, and she produces some really good videos and she's very engaging when she speaks. So if you watch some of her videos, the likelihood is you are going to see more people of the same opinion because the algorithm will think, oh, they watched a two-minute video from June about, I don't know, about lockdown. And then they'll just keep spinning around because it's going to keep you on the app and keep you watching the adverts, isn't it? So it's, it kind of segregates us into those camps, doesn't it? And we and we do, we, we watch people that we like, don't we? We want to watch people that we, we like and we connect with and we all would like to have our opinions backed up. But you could have, I don't know, the most random opinion. You could find a video out there on YouTube or on social media that someone agrees with you and backs up your opinion. It, it's like those echo chambers, isn't it? You just keep it's spinning around hearing the same thing over. Yeah, and, and yeah. the thing is, it's it, it's it's. I'm really uh, very aware of this community thing. It's very nice to be in a community. It's very important. You know, I've I've been studying Maslow's hierarchy of needs and belonging. Community is a really important, essential part of our life, and that's what has happened, though, isn't it? News has almost become um, community. 
Um, I remember Dan Wooden calls the GB News family, a family, a community. Well, it should be more separate from, from that. Like S in the should challenge you and maybe ask you difficult questions and, and, and provide a variety of, of views um, from both sides of the debate. But it is a challenge. My goodness me, it is a challenge. We're, we're always going to have a baseline opinion of what we think about something. And I kind of try and round up and wrap up my videos with those kind of questions that I've, I'm posing to the viewer. Um, one that I did about cashless society. Do you agree that cash is out or do you rely on cash? Do you worry about the future potential of digital currencies? And just to try and get people thinking their own thoughts. I think this type of conversation, Craig, is valuable and important. Um, and because we are all becoming journalists and we do all have power. Just like Anna, I know and I believe we do have the power. We all have the power to not only change our own lives, but to make a positive impact in the world around us as well. It was a really interesting conversation. We go on to talk about Anna's experience in the media, the comments and how to deal with trolls online. And we share what who or what media brands that we think did the best during the pandemic, in our humble opinions. It's not very often I share my opinion, as um, I said in that interview with Anna, but there are more opinions in that interview. I'll put a link to it in the episode notes. I'll also put a link to find Anna's book on Amazon. Anna's book, Shame, When Journalists Stop Listening, COVID, The Media and Me is out now. Well, that's it for this week's Table Conversation. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Your company has been a pleasure as always. Do keep in touch across social media at I am Craig Story. If you enjoy the work that I do and you'd like to support me, then feel free to buy me a coffee, buymeacoffee.com slash Craig Story. Alternatively, or in addition, you could also support me and help me by simply sharing this episode and any of the others with just one person this week that you think would enjoy it. I'll be poised. I'll be waiting. I'll be at that table for you next week. You don't want to miss out, so follow the podcast wherever you listen. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>